everybody goes through tough times. People think, and if I could choose to have just an easy life, that would be the best. With easy, there's not really any growth. That's so true. Anything with purpose or fulfillment is going to be the tough thing, the hard thing. And people choose not to confront the tough thing or the hard thing are often living a life where they don't feel a lot of meaning. Who was it that said, man doesn't need an easy life. They need a goal that is worthy of their striving. That's true. We need something to strive for. And those things are hard. Anything that you've put your best foot forward and has demanded something of you is also probably the best thing in your life. All the good things required something. To not do the hard thing is to really resign yourself to a sense of meaninglessness and, and purposelessness. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Willpower Podcast. My name is William Gomez and I am your host of the show. And today we have Jordan Holmes, who's a very special guest to me. He is my brother-in-law. Uh, reason I wanted to have him come on is he's a marriage counselor and I can't wait for you to hear the conversations that we have of why he became a mer uh, marriage counselor and just um, the stories that um, he shares during this podcast. Jordan Holmes, how are you doing, man? Will Gomez. Dude, thank good. you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. On the Willpower podcast, man. You are, I believe, will be our, like our 23rd episode or so. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, man, excited to have you on. This one's a little bit extra special because you're the first uh, related person I've ever had on, <laughs> on the podcast here. Um, so, Jordan is my brother-in-law. Um, and he's Destiny's uh, brother. And part of the reason why I want to have you on here, man, is because, um, so the Willpower Podcast, I like to have just people on a lot. Of, it's crazy because a lot of people think that it's just like a real estate you know, podcast and uh -huh. it's really not. I've had a couple of realtors, a couple of lenders on, but uh, I just mainly like to have conversations with somebody that I feel like I'm going to get some wisdom from. Mm -hmm. But also it depends also in you know, what they do. So, you know, um, for those people that don't know you, if you want to tell them a little about yourself, um, we'd love to hear that. Sure. So I'm a marriage and uh, family therapist and also a trauma therapist. So I have a practice, a private practice here in town. And most of my time, not probably 90% of my time is spent working with couples on ways to improve their relationship, improve communication, work through conflict issues, and just strengthen their marriages and relationships in a lot of different ways. And then a lot of individual counseling too, working through trauma issues, depression, anxiety, whatever it might be. But generally a well-being thing where I try to help people improve their lives, strengthen in a lot of different ways. But most of what I do is really marriages and relationships. Yeah, I think whenever, uh, and you know, whenever Destiny and I met, I think that you were um, kind of going through the process. So there's a little bit different process uh, to become a marriage counselor like you are. So mm -hmm. you go through um, schooling, but then you have to get like some certain hours. Because I remember you used oh, yeah. to have yeah. to, uh, uh, a lot of the trauma stuff came from like a lot of the like hours you pretty much had to put in before you could yes. do your own practice, right? There's a lot to a lot of time and investment that you have to put in, that's for sure. So after grad school, you do what they call supervision. So you've got two years working really under somebody else's licensure, and you're under their umbrella for two years, and you're accruing all of these hours and all of this experience. And then after that two years, you'll get fully licensed. And once you're fully licensed, you can kind of go out on your own but even after that, you've got 20 hours a year that you do in continuing education, um, just trying to update your skills, stay on top of things, stay up to date with the latest research and all of those kinds of things. So did when you first started doing it and you were doing those two years, did you, so like I'm guessing the person that you were working underneath, were they mainly doing the trauma uh, type of counseling? 
that person was fantastic. And she was actually um, a lot of trauma counseling, but a lot of marriage and relationship counseling too. Yeah. So what made you get into like the, I mean, I'm sure there's more than two options of trauma in marriage counseling and stuff. So what made you go into the marriage counseling Oh man, I've always had an interest in marriages and relationships. You know, it's like the fundamental building block of society, if you think about it. We're relational creatures, and the strength of the marriage is the strength of the family, you know, and the development that happens in the children is really, you know, happening in that nest of how strong the couple's relationship and marriage is. And so where you have strong, healthy relationships and marriages, you're going to have kids that grow up in a healthy, um, well-adjusted sense. And so, you know, I think that marriages and relationships are so important on a, on a person-to-person level, but also for the family and the development of children. And then, I mean, that amplifies to all society too. Yeah. And it's crazy because a lot of, you know, depending on what you do as a profession, sometimes you can get really personal with people. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times, you know, I'm put in that spot where, you know, I'm able to see everybody's finances. I'm able to see not only their credit score, but just uncover a lot that it Mm -hmm. takes a lot of trust for people to trust me as their advisor in order to help them, you know, uh, buy a home. And you know, what's crazy is, um, so I'm a mortgage advisor. You're a marriage counselor. If you look up the top most stressful things to go through in life, mm-hmm. um, it goes uh, losing a loved one. Oh, yeah. It goes going through a divorce yeah. and moving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so right. you got me beat by one, which I thought that <laughs> yeah. it would be way, you know, because yeah. if I think that I'm getting into people's uh, personal stuff, like you're really, <laughs> really getting into yeah. personal stuff. So uh, how do you go about that as far as like, mm-hmm. you know, being able to um, dive into that, like for people to kind of open up? Because I, I mean, I guess in a sense, it's way easier for me because if you're like, hey, Will, can you help me with the mortgage? Mm-hmm. It just click button, I see your credit score, et cetera, sure. to where it's not like, hey, we're here to get counseled and you just click a button and then you have <laughs> all the receipts, right? Oh, yeah. So how, how, walk me a little bit like on one of your first sessions for with uh, a couple that you're first seeing for the first time. Well, you know, in relationship counseling, just as I'm sure it is in, in your experience, it's all relationship based. You know, you earn your way into somebody's story in a sense, you know? And so if you earn trust, you earn relationship, you build rapport with somebody, then over time they feel safe enough to be vulnerable and to be real and authentic and to tell the truth in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I'm sure that you have experienced that. You know, you have to build relationships uh, with your clients all around the community. And it's the same thing with me. You know, I meet somebody who's a stranger, but very quickly they are not a stranger, you know, and it's a very special thing to be invited into somebody's story in those ways, you know, for someone to show trust with their experience. And sometimes you're talking about some heavy things. Yeah. There's some trauma there. There's vulnerability, but you know, you try to prove yourself a trustworthy person. And when you've earned that, then people feel safe. I think. How long does it normally take like a sessions? I'm assuming it's not the first or second. Oh, it depends what for, you know, it's uh, depending on what the presenting problem is that somebody might come in for. There could be, uh, you know, I've seen some people for a few sessions and some people have been clients for several years, but it totally depends on what the, what the issue is. And what are like some of like the top, 
you know, besides, I, I thought about Googling it before, but I was like, let me just get it from the main source, yeah. especially the people that you are seeing, which it sounds like it's a lot. I mm -hmm. mean, you were telling me before we got on that you see as many as like eight people in one day. Yeah. yeah. That sounds, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a lot, man. Yeah. But, uh, so your top three things of why a lot of people are going, going to go see you. What are those? So number one is relationship issues, which is usually communication issues. You know, 90% of relationship issues that people show up with can be boiled down to communication stuff. You know, the ability to be able to share your thoughts, your feelings, your needs, and to be articulate about that, to be able to define that, and to be able to put your best foot forward in being heard the way you mean to be heard, right? And then the other side of that coin is being able to listen, being able to tune in, pay attention and hear your partner and give them the benefit of the doubt and trust that they're doing the best they can with what they have in that moment, you know? So communication is a lot of what I do. Um, and then of course, you know, um, trauma issues, people present having gone through some um, painful experience that we try to work through together. And then, you know, there's a lot of what we just call the problems of living. Yeah. You know, it's like life is complex. Yeah. <laughs> life is hard sometimes. And it's good to have a supporting, helpful ear, somebody in your corner to be able to work through some of the complexities of life. Are you meaning uh, just like everyday living or do you mean like whenever like a couple first goes and moves in together and then it's mm -hmm. like a completely different type of relationship at that point? Which one do you mean by that? Oh, both. I mean, you know adjusting to relationships and marriage yeah. is not an easy task, you know, and communication is not an easy task. It's incredibly complex. You're trying to sort through a lot of different weeds, you know, your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own biases, yeah. your own worldview. You've got all kinds of things that you um, are trying to sort through and you start making negative attributions sometimes and it's complex, but then there's also just going through life, whether you're in relationship or not. I mean, Anybody who's been alive for very long knows that you encounter a lot of tough things, painful yeah. things. And, uh, you know, counseling is a relationship that allows you to confront some of those things in a safe place. Yeah, that's it's so good that you're bringing that up, though, because um, everybody goes through tough things times, no matter whether it's in your marriage or whether it's in life and work and whatever, mm -hmm. but it's really those tough times that really make life. Wouldn't oh, yeah. you agree? Oh, yeah. Because sometimes people think that, man, if I could choose to have, uh, just an easy life, like that would be the best, oh, yeah. but, yeah. but with, with easy, there's not really any growth. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the times, what is the best way that you communicate to your, um, clients, whether it's a, a couple or a single person or whatever that like, Hey, this tough time right mm, now mm. It, it is really like gonna, it's the best thing for you right now. Oh, that's so wise. That's so true. You know, anything that means anything in life, anything with purpose or fulfillment is going to be the tough thing, the hard thing. And people who choose not to confront the tough thing or the hard thing, you know, are often uh, living a sense, living a life where they don't feel a lot of meaning or purpose or fulfillment, you know. And so, you know, who was it that said man doesn't need an easy life? They need a goal that is worthy of their striving, right? That's so good. Something I haven't heard to that. Live for. I forget who said that. It was uh, somebody. But that's true. We need something to strive for. And those things are hard. And 
you know, anything that you've put your best foot forward in and has demanded something of you is also probably the best thing in your life. You know, it's yeah. like all the good things required something of you. And to not do the hard thing is to really um, resign yourself to a sense of meaninglessness and, and purposelessness. Yeah, man, that's so good. So let me ask you this. Um, so for me, it wasn't necessarily that I grew up um, thinking that, like, man, I was like a six-year-old kid and I said, I can't wait to be a mortgage loan officer, right? Sure, yeah. So, but I will say I will tell you this is I do remember that whenever I was a kid, I remember getting the feeling that brought satisfaction to me Mm -hmm. that of, of like being able to like sell something and sell somebody. And and in high school I played, you know, uh, football, ran track, cross country and wrestled. But one of my favorite things that honestly it was a different feeling than like winning a match than winning a football game. It was like whenever we would have like these fundraisers and we would have to like sell these things. And I was always like the best at selling all these things because I just like loved it. So I always knew that, um, I always knew that, um, that I had like a passion for that. Mm. And then, so then that translated to, you know, the various jobs that I've had that had to do with selling. Mm -hmm. And now, you know what I do now, which now what I, how I really view it is finding solutions and putting people in a path to home ownership. So when did you know, like that you wanted to do what you wanted to do, especially with your thing that it's a lot harder than like, you know, somebody that says, I want to become a marriage counselor Mm -hmm. or a loan officer. Like there's an easier path in which one you go. So (laughs) what made you like, since when did you know that you wanted to do that? Oh, to be honest, it wasn't until uh, really when I was finishing up undergrad, you know, college. And I was uh, kind of at the end of my undergraduate experience thinking, you know, where do I want to go with this? What do I want to do next in my life? And I took a year off school and did some thinking, did some traveling and things like that. And I thought to myself, you know, what's the number one thing in my life that brings me a sense of meaning, purpose, fulfillment? What could I do for the rest of my life that I would do for free, even if I didn't get paid for it in some way? Yeah. You know, and for me, it was helping people. For me, it was sitting down with people, talking with them. And I would do that whether I got paid or not yeah. in a lot of ways. You know, I'd sit down with people and try to work through difficult things with them and be there for them and and try to offer some insight and some wisdom and share some of the things that I've been through that have made a difference and things like that. And, you know, I remember thinking, you know, to do that as a career, that sounds nice. Yeah. You know, that sounds like a good thing. And so that's when I decided to go back to school and finish the the graduate school and all that kinds kinds of thing. But uh, that was it for me. Yeah. I just thought I, I enjoy helping people. I enjoy being present in people's lives in those ways. Man, that's so good because a lot of the times, we, especially whenever people hear the conversations that I've had here with with uh, different types of people, and they'll always refer and say, man, that was such a good conversation, mm-hmm. um, especially like with, you know, how, you know, I felt like I got this from it. And every single time, it's something very simple. Mm-hmm. And what you just said yeah. is like, yeah. how many times have we heard in our life that, you know, what's something that I could do for the rest of my life without having to get paid for? <laughs> sure. And then you have the, uh, that, that I actually enjoy. And then you have that saying, um, you know, if you, if you enjoy what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but so many of those simple things that we hear on a, mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis, people literally take for granted and it goes one ear out the other and then they forget that. 
right? Yes. So um, it's so crazy that you're saying that. And it's so good that you found, you know, what you wanted to do. And I feel like that's mm -hmm. where it goes, where sometimes ask, uh, people ask, you know, man, how could a teacher be, you know, what they do for how much <laughs> sure. money they're making? Sure. And it's yeah. like, man, some of those people actually really, really enjoy doing oh, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the reward yeah. is worth the sacrifice. That's what makes anything worthwhile. It's like, you know, a lot of the things that we do are hard. Yeah. And it's like it, it, it demands something of you. It requires something of you. It's, uh, you know, just because you are doing something that you love and enjoy doesn't mean that it's easy all the time. Yeah. You know, it's like there's hard work. And the only thing that makes the hard work worth it is if you know the reward on the other side um, makes sense of the sacrifice, you know? So it's like you're willing to sacrifice something. You're willing to lay something down because you know that on the other side of this, there's something I want that's even better than this. Yeah. And so for some people, that's financial motivations. For some people, that's like a, uh, an intrinsic motivation of like, this is my purpose. This is the meaning of my life. This defines who I am as, as, a, as a man or somebody, you know? Do you think that there's anything back from like your childhood that kind of connects that to um, when you were in college and you finally put those two together, like this is kind of what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, I think probably a lot of it goes back to my dad. Yeah. You know, my dad's a pastor. And so my dad, I kind of watched him you know, be present in people's lives in a lot of ways. He was the kind of person who's like, you know, get the call at 2 a.m. and he's up going to the hospital with yeah. people and he's he's out there helping people. You know him. Yeah, you know? And yeah. He's, he's just um, very, very willing to enter into people's lives and kind of be present and with them in those ways. So probably having that modeled for me in a lot of ways informed some of what I do. Yeah, man. And your dad is a, a guy, man, that I, you know, I don't think I could have picked a better father-in-law, mm, um, yeah, yeah. even if I had a choice to pick one, just because it, it's crazy. When I first met your dad, I, um, I, I was like, this guy is just like way too nice. <laughs> and then I was just like, I remember the first I don't know, three to five times that I was yeah, just like yeah. thinking, is this for real? Yeah. Like when is this going to go away? <laughs> sure. Yeah. And then and it hasn't yeah. gone away. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, I was just, you know, destiny just had um, a birthday and that was my ninth birthday with her. Mm. And, and, and so I've known him for a long time now yeah. and every yeah. single time. And, yeah. and you're right, man, he's like, just like a servant's heart. And he's just, yeah. it's crazy. So that was a good, um, mm. a good person to, you know, model after as well oh, too. Yeah. So did you, get to witness him uh, counseling quite a bit of people? Because I, mm -hmm. I think whenever a lot of people think of a pastor, they mainly think of somebody like preaching on stage, but they don't really see like the back end mm -hmm. work of it. So did you get to witness a lot of that with him or? Yeah, I remember, you know, him talking about a lot of counseling that he would do with the church people. Yeah. And so, you know, even when I was a kid, my dad would differentiate a little bit between, you know, the pastoral counseling that he would do. And then, you know, sharing, you know, some of his thoughts on when it was time to send somebody to like a professional counselor or something. And so I heard a lot of that when I was a kid and it always sounded appealing to me. Um, but he, he just was somebody who he'd sit down with people for hours and just talk with them and just be present with them and cry with them. And, you know, he's, he's got that real heart for yeah. that stuff. So seeing that, had to have an impact on me in some way, I'm sure. He was probably getting paid a lot less per hour than I you. I don't think he was getting paid anything. <laughs> so let me, so I didn't even think about that. So do yeah. you get a lot of like referrals from like pastors or like sure. who, like who are yeah. your biggest like referral clients? You know, I get uh, everywhere, everywhere, man. So it's like other previous clients, you know, insurance panels that, that I work with, 
um, just the name out in the community, I guess. After doing this for, you know, 10 years, you, you just get your name out there. But is there like a specific occupation or person that let's say like for me for example like my biggest source of referrals is realtors which is mm -hmm. still mind-blowing because you would think like you want to go buy a house yeah you should go figure out how much you can afford sure rather than like let's go see how pretty the house is yeah. and then we'll go see how much we can afford right, <laughs> right. but it literally same it, it never mm -hmm. it, it never changes it's like they go to the realtor first and the realtor sends it to us so is yeah. there somebody like that like i didn't even think about that like a pastor being like all right now this is mm -hmm. uh, or mm -hmm. is there any any specific person like that for you yeah i've definitely developed relationships with quite a few pastors in the area yeah so a lot of pastors send people my way and um I, and I actually see a lot of pastors too. You know, there's a lot of pastors who have an awareness of their own mental health, oh, yeah. their own well-being, and making sure that they're in the healthiest place to be able to to lead their people. Yeah. So, what do you um, what do you think is like one of like the biggest things that brings people to you? Like, and when I ask that, I mean, what do you think is the biggest change in somebody's marriage that that could really throw a curveball and it's mm. like oh that's kind of where like we kind of go and see you type of thing oh, yeah well you know i work with a lot of affairs and so when a, an affair happens that's obviously a crisis in the relationship that leads people to my office and i'll end up seeing them after that but you know a lot of couples years into their relationship just allow a lot of things to slide that they took for granted early in the relationship you know it's like there's a certain positivity a certain friendship, a certain trust, a certain um, benefit of the doubt and grace and kindness and gentleness that sometimes we have in the beginning of relationships that in the complexity of life and in the complexity of trying to manage differences, um, we, we can let slide sometimes. And so when I see those people, I kind of think of it as my job to help bring their attention back to the things that brought them together in the first place. You know, anybody who ended up in marriage counseling, you know, they were in love and passionate and best friends at some point in their life. And so I'm an eternal optimist yeah. with that stuff to think that, you know, we can rediscover that and rekindle that. And whatever is there that's buried below the surface of some of the complexities of life, you know, we want to try to give new life to. Yeah. And it's crazy, though, because I completely agree with you on that. But sometimes you do, you know... Mm -hmm. We even have some friends that we're like, man, how in the world did you guys ever get married? <laughs> sure. Because you guys are like not like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's like more opposite, which yeah. opposite is, is good in a sense. Like I feel like Dusty and I are opposites. Sure. And uh, but sometimes you see people and you're like, how did we get here? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but true. what about what are some of the other things? So like as far as like, do you think I'm assuming like our finances is like a big thing? Yes. Finances are a big thing. And like having yeah. like a like a new kid or, oh, you yeah. know, like life adjustments. All that kinds of stuff. Anything that you have to confront together, right? And, you know, whenever you're trying to confront these things, you want to look at the foundation. Is there a foundation of trust? Is there a foundation of emotional maturity? Yeah. Right? Is there a foundation of friendship? And all of these things, you know, marriage counseling is about going back to a lot of the basics. In some sense, it's the boring stuff of life, right? Yeah. Two people who live together and have a shared life, have to sort through the complexities of trying to figure out the daily living stuff. You know, who's going to drop the kids off at school? Who's going to pick them up? Who's going to prepare lunches? Who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to, and where this stuff isn't clearly defined and worked through with healthy communication skills, 
we start to operate in a vacuum. And that's when we start to make negative attributions towards each other and start to think the worst of our partner. And yeah. you know what? What I tell couples is that no one person in relationships is trying to sabotage anything. Yeah. No one wakes up that morning and is like, I'm really going to throw a wrench in things today, right? Yeah. We're, do- we're doing the best we can. And if we can rediscover trust and friendship and some kind of positive perspective, usually we're able to work through some of those things. So it goes all, all it goes back to communication, yeah. and I think communication is a big key in everything because you know anytime that somebody has asked me like what do you think has cost you to have you know a successful career in mortgages, and I say communication because mm-hmm. if you communicate well to your referral partners, if you communicate well with your coworkers, with yes. your borrowers, with everybody, yeah. like it's even if it's bad news that you have to give out, it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So uh, one question that I'm really curious about is. You know, I feel like I have a pretty stressful job. Like one of the things that I didn't do before I started in the mortgage business is I didn't grind my teeth. Now it's gotten so bad that I have to wear uh, a day guard, not only a night guard. So, um, so, but I can't even imagine Mm. how stressful like your job can get. So, but not even just stressful, but just like, just a lot of like energy just drawn out from you. Mm. So let me ask you this, like what is the biggest thing that you go back to that it's your like, it's your safe place to kind of like re-energize yourself? Like what, what is that that you do? Yeah, yeah. Number one is my faith. So, you know, if you're a person of faith, you know, that, that gives all the work that you do and all the energy that you expend meaning and purpose and, and a reason for it. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I'm somebody who enjoys solitude. And I know that in my self-care, in my stress management, I need a lot of solitude. I just need time by myself to process, to think through all the things that maybe I've heard or exposed myself to that day in some way. Some of the things that you hear, you know, are troubling things. Yeah. And so you take some time to work that out within yourself. And I do that in solitude. And I just enjoy quiet sometimes. I enjoy listening to good music. I enjoy reading. And I know that that's something that I need. And so my faith is a reflection of that, too. You know, it's like when I sit in quiet with myself to process and to care for some of those things, my faith is a huge part of that. And then there's some other things that I do, too, that um, are kind of traditional coping skills. You know, I'm a big fan of breathing exercises, daily breathing exercises. Almost not a day goes by that I don't do breathing exercises three or four times a day, really. And... um, guided imagery, mindfulness exercises, muscle relaxation, all that kinds of stuff just makes a profound difference on your ability to tolerate stress, right? And they talk about the window of tolerance. You know, you're continually trying to like expand your window of tolerance. I would like to be able to take on more, not less, right? And so how do I build that resiliency and strength within myself? I think it's in a lot of those type of coping skills, and then some other things, too, that I'd like to do more of, and you can teach me about this, like exercise, yeah. right? Getting yeah. out on the bike a little bit yeah. more. You, yeah. know, you and I are both cyclists. Yeah, so, man, yeah. and that's that's mine right there, and it's so good to hear. And I always like to hear people that are coping with a lot of stress, like what they do, yeah. um, and that is mine. Like for me, mm. you know, there were some times uh, that it was – and it was a lot easier whenever it was warmer and stuff, but like people come over to my house and see that I have like a whole gym set in my garage and they're like, why do you have this? Don't you go to the gym? And I'm like, yeah, but like there's some times that I'm I'm just super stressed that I want to get home Uh, and I want to just work out again just because like it's been, it's been a crazy day. And, um, it's so, it's, 
so the breathing exercise and stuff, is that something too that you also will tell your clients to do as well too? Or is that something that you just kind of, you do yourself? Oh yeah. That's usually in like the first few sessions that I try to walk them through a little bit of a self-care plan for those kinds of things. So we'll practice breathing exercises, whether it's controlling your breathing, you know, counting your breaths and uh, pairing that with some muscle relaxation techniques we just walk through our daily lives with such tension yes. to our bodies, you know, and it's like we're not even aware of it sometimes. But if you're able to focus in on your breathing, relax all of your muscles, and just self-soothe in those ways, it recharges you for the next thing that you need to confront in your life, right? But then, you know, um, some of the other things, the uh, mindfulness activities, we'll confront all of this stuff in the first few sessions because that's what you're really trying to help your clients with is ways to soothe themselves, to calm themselves, to relax themselves, and to not walk through life with that, you know, tense muscle gritted teeth thing. Right? Yeah. And it's so, it's so good that you said that you're working through all of that in order to be able to let yourself know that it, that that you can take on more because yeah. one of my favorite stories and analogies and i'm a big analogy guy is i'm not sure if you've heard this um that you know there's this professor um in uh he's teaching a class and he pulls out a jar that's full oh, of yes. rocks yes full of rocks and he asks the class he says hey is this jar full mm. and they're like yes and then he pulls out some pebbles and then fills it all up. And then they're like, ah, you got us. And they're like, is it full now? And, and then they're like, yes, it's full. Mm. And then he pulls out sand and then fills it up even more. Mm. And then they're like, okay, that's it. It's definitely full. And then last he pulls out water. Mm. And it's so crazy. I think that if that doesn't show a, a more perfect picture of how some of us um, look like and walk around every single day, mm. I don't know what does. And that's what causes that stress because a lot of the times you might only, I mean, I've had people that whether it's friends or coworkers uh, that tell me, man, I'm so stressed. I have so much. And I'm looking at their, uh, if they were a jar and I'm looking because I know what they have going on. And I'm like, you're not even halfway filled with rocks. What do you mean? (laughs) But you have to be able to like let yourself know and relax to be able to take on more in that jar and, and, and really do your full capacity. Oh, yeah. And life requires that of you. I mean, you're not going to go through life without needing to be a person of strength and resilience and fortitude and to be able to confront all of the things that are coming our way with a little bit of courage, right? And so how do you develop that within yourself? How do you become that person who's able to confront some of those things that that we all have to, have to confront, you know? Um, and so that's what I work with on my cli- work with my clients on a lot is being able to work through a lot of that. Yeah. Stuff. So let me ask you this. Uh, so you have a beautiful baby girl, and then you just got a, um, a new son. Congratulations, Thank by the you, way. So let me, is it gonna? How are you going to be a different parent than like your regular parent that's mm. not a counselor? Is that I would yeah. think, you know, is that going to be uh, much different for you? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good question. You know, parenting is a lot of trial and error. Yeah. I don't think it matters how much education you have. You do the best you can, right? Yeah. And a lot of parenting is learning about yourself and learning about your own stress management so that you can be present in your kids' lives in a healthy way. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, Ruby, my first, is four years old. 
Which is crazy. It's just wild. It's yeah. like an amazing thing how fast that time has gone. Literally the blink of an eye. And so, you know, learning to be a parent to her. You know, you, you do the best you can. But I've, I've uh, tried to do as much research as I can. Tried to learn as much as I can. But, you know, there's a lot that is up here that you have to act out and live in the real world. Right? Yeah. And so now with the second, it's a boy. And yeah. so I feel like I'm learning all over again, right? Because, you know, raising a boy might be a little bit of a different experience yeah. than raising a little girl. And it's crazy to that uh, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but you wanted another girl, didn't you? Sure, yeah. That's crazy because oh, yeah. I feel like most guys are the opposite. Yeah, well, you know what, man? Like when you have that little girl, Ruby is just the sweetest, most adorable, most beautiful thing yeah. in the universe. And, and, and you really do see your kids as that way. And there's really not a parent that I've talked to that doesn't see their kid in that light in a lot of ways, you know? And so Ruby, why not have another one? Sure. Yeah. it's <laughs> great. But man, you know, we, uh, we were blessed with a little boy. And so that's going to be such a beautiful thing too. It's yeah. Be an amazing experience. And it sounds, it seems like from, uh, that you're pretty lucky so far, as far as like, he's like, just doesn't make a beep. It sounds like, and I can't even get over it. He's <laughs> like, he's just been sleeping and quiet and he barely cries. He's three weeks old. That's three what weeks you, old right that's now. what you suggest for married couples that are going through a bad time <laughs> yeah. with the first kid. You're like, yeah. just swap them out for uh, <laughs> have a relaxed, a little yeah. peaceful boy. Yeah. So when it comes to your own marriage, do you think that you having the job that you do makes it easier to navigate through your own marriage based on what you know? Or do you think it's more of like, cause I, you know, think of like a personal trainer, mm-hmm. you're, you know, like you said, you're one of your busiest days, you're seeing eight people. So you go and are training, let's say, eight people how to lose weight, how to reach their goals. And then you get home. Mm-hmm. The last thing you're going to want to do is yeah. train your wife, <laughs> right? Or if you clean houses, you go and yeah. clean eight houses. Last thing you want to do is come home and clean your own house. Sure. So how does that, you know, how, how does that go hand in hand with your own, own personal marriage? Well, it's never a good idea to try to be your partner's therapist. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> so I don't recommend that. Right? That's good. I don't recommend that. But it definitely informs some of the ways that I try to orient myself towards Rachel. Yeah, you know, yeah. The ways that I try to be attentive to her needs and try to love her and be present with her. And so, you know, that's the way that I see it, is some of the things that I've learned in helpful communication styles. I try to implement that stuff, and, and uh, I try to live it out. Yeah. I try to live what you preach. Yeah. So do you... I. Do you, I've never thought about this because like, you know, it's family, but do you ever have like friends that you guys have that, um, that are kind of like, they know what you do and then they're just kind of like wanting to get you either on their side or just like just true input. Like, do you guys have friends that do that to you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, people are always, uh, looking for little nuggets of wisdom and things like that. How do you take that? Do you like take yeah. it like serious or do you take it like, cause it's a little different that you know mm-hmm. that person, right? Sure. Yeah. It's a little bit different. And you know, I could never be a friend's therapist or yeah. something like that, but you know, I, I enjoy helping people. And so yeah. anywhere I can drop a little nugget of wisdom or yeah, something yeah. like that, that's a good thing. That's awesome, man. Well, once again, thank you f- so much for coming on. And one of the last questions that I always love to ask is what is the best advice that you've ever received? Best advice I'd ever I've ever received. Hmm. I have to think about that one. Gr- growing up with uh, Miles Holmes, I would think that you would get mm, uh, yeah. you would get uh, 
best advice just every <laughs> single day. You know, he used to say, have the heart of a dove and the skin of a rhinoceros. <laughs> I've never heard him say that, but that's good. That's what he'd say. You know, let certain things, let arrows that people shoot off, shoot, bounce off your rhinoceros skin, but have a tender heart. Do you know what's gentleness. crazy? And I think that he, he displaced that better than anybody I know too. You know what? He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't succumb to criticism. He doesn't succumb to attacks but, or anything like that, but he maintains some kind of gentleness. So, I mean, I would say a lot of gentleness compared to like, cause I would say like, I have a pretty tough skin, but when it comes to like really grabbing to like my emotions and stuff, that's when it comes a little bit tougher. So oh, yeah. that's, that's some good stuff there. That's a good, that's a good little nugget. There we go, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on <laughs> and I uh, can't wait to, uh, you know, see where your business goes from here, man. Thanks man. Of I course. Appreciate it.